boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. Patricia, sweetie, where did I leave my mask? Your mask? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, kind of a reference to uh, the theme that we're just playing. Oh. Yeah, the theme finally drops. You're listening to the Aramada Show. It's the 13th of September of 2019, and uh, clearly it's 1970 for uh, Patricia here. So, how are you doing from 1970? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. (laughs) Coming up on the show, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some stuff that's coming up. Uh, We're going to talk about the rhetoric getting worse with Brexit. Uh, Gun violence hearing. uh, Not one Republican showed up. Why? Uh, BBC reversed the decision on Naga Machete's complaint. Uh, We've got a Greta Thunberg helpline parody to tell you about. Some stuff for the old school lane. Nintendo announces the brain toy training for the Switch. Uh, Frozen 2 debuts a new song. We'll talk about that too. And also, Disney's Star Wars land isn't exactly going to plan right now. So the force isn't necessarily strong with this. We're going to look at that too. And why are people still watching the Nostalgia Critic and complaining about it on Twitter when they said they would never, ever go near him again? Yeah, so much we need to talk about. You're listening to The Aramata Show. Okay, before we uh, start off with the show, Patricia, how are you doing? I've been doing all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, by the way, for those of you wondering, uh, when are we going to see uh, all the material that I recorded from the Conser- the Conservative Party conference protest? Uh, yes, the protest. I actually, you know, uh, went there and uh, talked to a couple of people there. So uh, that's going to be the bonus show uh, coming up later on this week. And so it's going to be on the last day of the Conservative Party conference, just to remind everybody, you know, what this awful party is doing. So uh, I just, uh, I felt like uh, I wanted to record and uh, get some of the voices of uh, the people on the ground, really, of... Uh, you know, what, what, what the state of this country is actually in underneath uh, Boris Johnson right now. So uh, I think uh, what uh, we have to hear, I think, on probably around about Wednesday, I think is going to be a good indicator of basically where we are right now with uh, everything that's going on right now. But, uh, you know, there's the negative stuff, but then there's the positive stuff as well. Because, you know, Patricia, what you know what's happening next week? Um, maybe a particular anniversary show? Yes! It is the Craig ba- Craig Butler's interview. It is the Hey Arnold anniversary show of 2019. And uh, you know what? I completely forget now how old Hey Arnold actually is at this point because it kind of Um, that would be 23. Thank you, sweetheart. So, You're uh, very welcome. <laughs> so, 23. And uh, actually, you know, it's like uh, we're almost to 25. At this point, like you know, imagine, imagine mm-hmm. what it's going to be like when we get to twenty-five. I'm actually excited for all that. So oh yeah, me to too. Go. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, and uh, who knows? We actually have some interesting Hey Arnold news to actually break uh, next week. Maybe. Ooh, isn't that going to be interesting? So uh, tell tell your friends next week, next Monday, October seventh, twenty nineteen, the Hey Arnold anniversary show with the one and only Great Bartlett. Uh, also, we're coming up on Sunday. If you can't wait for, if you're too excited for that, we've got a really special live stream for you. Coming up on Sunday, we're tentatively saying Sunday around about seven o'clock uh, the UK, uh, around about uh, two to one o'clock in the in the United States. Uh, we are going to be uh, reacting to uh, probably part one, maybe part two of all our 1980s cartoons intros, and so uh, we're going to be watching them like from A to Z. And uh, so we're going to be just reacting to how, you know, what what, what this era was like. And probably try and uh, maybe uh, grasp some of uh, the craziness that took place in that decade. So uh, we're going to see, you know, again, we're going to see Mask. We're going to see the Alvin and the Chipmunks. We're going to see 
Um, every single crazy My Little Pony. We're going to see My Little Pony too. You know, before obviously the uh, the big phenomenon that was, you know, the uh, the My Little Pony universe and the brony stuff and everything like that. Friendship so, is magic, Aaron. Friendship is magic. Yep, there was, the, and also, but there was an era before that. So we're going to take a look at that too, and uh, also some of your other favorite nineteen eighty stuff. And uh, actually, we would like to hear uh, if you're on Facebook.com forward slash if you're listening on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Aaron Matters Show. We would like to hear in the comments uh, what your favorite nineteen eighties TV show actually was. And if you're listening, if you're actually on Twitter as well, tweet at me and tell me what. Your your favorite 1980s show actually is and so uh, you know patricia i have to say if we have to go for a 1980s show i've got to be honest with you i'm really split between probably what we just heard mask and transformers you know like yeah yeah they definitely you know um take in the whole 80s i mean like it's either like really hard rock or synth music or um you know, just basically like this uh, tune in jams that you would hear that like really got you pumped into saying, yeah, I want to watch the next episode of this. This is going to be awesome. Exactly. And uh, but mind you, like there wasn't pretty awesome shows, but they didn't go on for that long. You know, like yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I think we're going to come across some gems, I think, in this journey, I think, on Sunday. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to understand that this was back before they, you know, did anything in in syndication. Like, DuckTales was the very first cartoon that ran in syndication that had, like, the 65 episodes. So, and that was back in, like, 87 or 88 or 89. So, yeah, I mean, like, the early 80s. I mean, like, very rarely was there, like, a show that was, like, really popular that lasted longer than, like you know, the, the, the 52 or 65 episodes, like, um, they, you know, basically it's like, you know, they ran a few episodes and then afterwards they would just like leave it in the back burner. But then, you know, DuckTales came along and said like, you know, if we have it, the 65 episodes, then we could just run it over and over and over again. And that, you know, pretty much cartoons became that way ever since. Mm-hmm. I just think uh, one of the most uh, amazing, uh, you know, eras. I think we, 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 we. I don't think when I when we do this, I'm not entirely sure if we're actually going to be able to do it justice or not. You know, like uh, it's going to be just this incre- It's just going to be this incredible uh, uh, ride that we're about to go on. And so, oh yeah, know, for I, sure. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I guess um, you know, when it comes to like criterias, I, I take it that we're going to be looking at like American uh, cartoon intros, or uh, I don't know if we're going to be like delving into like you know anime cartoon intros or Canadian or anything what, like we that. We may we may get some surprises. So like, okay, I mean, from what I, from what I gather from, I mean, I've got to be honest with you, like the compilation that I got off the internet, like I've never watched it fully through. So, okay. I mean, like, oh, we might get some surprises. We might get some, like, you know, well, was that really an 80s cartoon or was it more kind of like, did it get its uh, prominence more in, uh, you know, a different, uh, in a different, in a different light, you know? So, like, I mean, we've uh, got, a, we, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about in that. So, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's going on as well. And also, we'll be letting you know about some of the stuff that's going to be going on in uh, in, in Old School Lane, but uh, we'll be leaving that till the middle of the show. But, uh, uh, Patricia, shall we get on with the news? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's just... Uh, the Brazil rhetoric is incredible at the minute. And it just seems to get considerably worse every time you kind of, uh, you know, keep going over it. And so... Um, let me play, and I think this is probably going to be maybe the fairest clip maybe we could play of it. Um, here's Brendan O'Neill from Spiked Online. He's doing this show called Politics Live on the BBC, and so he's going to basically give us uh, his uh, take on uh, the situation in this country right now. And so this will go on for about 2 minutes and 15 seconds. So let me just put this on for everybody who were told again and again and again that what they voted for would happen, who were promised endlessly that their vote would be respected, and also were promised again in the 2017 general election, what must they be thinking as they hear these so-called experts and these lawyers and these judges and these parliamentarians, 70% of whom are anti-Brexit, going through all these discussions, how can we prevent a clean Brexit? How can we ensure that this doesn't happen? How can we go back to the people and force them to vote again because we think they were stupid and racist and got it wrong the first time around? They must just be watching this. They must be watching this and thinking, what's happened to democracy in this country? And I just think that the, uh, the, the introduction of law into this process is an absolute disaster because what it, it, what it smacks off to me 
is there is this layer of society who are so used to getting their way in politics, who are so used to everything going their way for the past 30 or 40 years, that they are repulsed by the fact that in 2016 it didn't go their way. And now they will use their financial power, their legal power and their parliamentary power to ensure that it doesn't happen. I am amazed that there haven't been riots yet. That's the most amazing thing to do. Do you think there will be? I, I think there should be. Should be? Yes. Brendan. My, the You're thing, urging people onto the streets no, to no, smash no, up no, Vodafone and make Hold urging on, let me, finish. No, let me finish my sentence. When I look at the Gilets jaunes, who are, have taken to the streets because um, Macron messed them around in relation to the eco-tax and various other things, what I continually think is, why have the British people been so patient? Now, this might sound alien to Sonia, because you live in a particular world, Sonia. We all do. But there are other people We all people live in there. a world where you can't go and smash up shops. But there, no, are, exactly. there are people... And, and I, no, but hold on. There is a... F I'm not talking about smashing up shops. There is a fine well, what's tradition... A, what, a riot in there Europe? is a fine yeah. tradition in this country Brenda, of radical... Brenda, we've already seen peaceful protests on both sides, and that's absolutely fine. In this country. You've I'm just said finish people should go out and riot. There is a riot. fine tradition in this country of radical protest, right from the, the levellers in the 1640s to the Chartists in the 1840s to the suffragettes who did take direct action, physical action, when people's voices have been ignored. I think we have reached that level now. Um, Lara, you've been... Okay, um, let's pull this apart for a second. You know, like, uh, you know, the rhetoric right now is like, is so stupid. And like, Brendan O'Neill just embodies how awful this Brexit debate actually is. I mean, let, let's ignore the whole there should be riots for a second. Let's just uh, kind of go back on some of the other points that he kind of like raised. And that's, you know, like, that we treat people like... Oh, like, people who voted to leave, you know, are stupid and racist and stuff like that. Well, I hate to break it to you, Brendan, but some of the people who actually voted for this bullshit actually are kind of racist and actually are kind of stupid. You know, at the end of the day, like, I'm not saying all of them are. I mean, I mean some people who voted for Brexit voted with, I believe, the with with good reason to do so. For those are people who feel that the EU is far too controlling and far too... Uh, you know, it's far too involved in their lives if they even like if they have fair justification for that, then fine. You know, but there's some people. In, there's a lot of people after the referendum who googled what is the EU. Like they didn't know what it was. Like you know, they supposedly in a referendum process where some people were not informed of the entire facts. Like, if this was a referendum done in Switzerland, and believe me, the rest of Switzerland are no. Uh, um, uh, uh, no um, strangers to to referendums. I guarantee you that would not stand. The fact that uh, not everybody was in full grasp of the facts, and also on top of that as well, like there was the lies that were told in that referendum, as well. Like you know, if if you're, I mean, it's uh, the fact that people were fooled, at least in my opinion, at least a lot of people were fooled into voting for leave because it meant more money for the NHS. It, would be, it was going to mean, uh, you know, a lot more prosperity. And now all the experts have turned around and said, nah, this, uh, what's going to happen here is not, is not going to be very democratic. It's not going to be economically viable. And it's not going to be, uh, it's going to be bad for uh, cohesion in our society. And it's going to also, uh, a lot, it's going to create another Windrush generation of uh, EU citizens who live in this country who now don't know if they're actually legally allowed to stay here or not. Like, the this is going to create. This is going to create a lot of problems for people, and that's what people like Brendan O'Neill, you know, these who come on TV and you know espouse all this craziness, and uh, don't actually understand from the third eye point of view of of, of other people who are going to be affected by this. You know, it's just it's uh, it's crazy. That, uh, you know, what, what, I, so I, just, I, I seriously about. just don't understand about. You know, I I really. Just am sad about this. It's just it's uh, the fact that the rhetoric is now turned. By the way, uh, the other side of it's no better. By the way, um, I honestly I went to the uh, Conservative Party conference protest to interview some people and uh, talk about it as well. Um, one thing that came up on my Twitter feed uh, when I first woke up in that on that morning of of the Sunday, uh, someone decided in Salford to hang up some really stupid banner, right? Saying, uh, now, let me say this before obviously criticizing this banner. We all know about the hundreds of thousands of people who have died because of the benefit reforms. You know, the people, the disabled people who have been affected by all of this, who have been injured, who have been, you know, obviously lost their lives because of this. 
But they then hang up a banner and say, oh, well, you know, the Tories are responsible for 130,000 people being dead, so therefore it's time to level the playing field. When you, when you put a, a banner like that, you know, like, that's just disgraceful. And quite frankly, your rhetoric is probably no better than any of the other rhetoric, uh, of the crazy rhetoric that's currently out there. You know, like Momentum reposted it up on their, on their social media page, and then they realized it was actually inappropriate and they shouldn't have done it, and then they took it down. You know, that was one of the um, affiliates, I believe. But, you know, the, the fact that, you know, um, the, 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 the fact that the heat is being turned up on this debate, not just with Brexit, but with various other things in here, like, this, this, is, this is bad news for all of us, man. And, you know, yeah. don't, get, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I, I think some people are going to say, oh, well, Aaron, haven't you said some pretty outrageous things in the past in regards to politics? But, you know, like, uh, yeah, I would say, but, you know, some things, have to, you know, as far as I'm concerned, have to be said. But, you know, here's the thing about this. The Aaron Meta show is this tiny little show that broadcasts to, you know, a couple of thousand people, you know, on in the United States of America and a few things like that. You know, when you've got major news organizations and, like, when you've got, you know, uh, people going out to, you know, millions of people. You know, and this saying that this type of rhetoric is acceptable, you know, in, in the time when, you know, the, uh, when we really, we need more, you know, more sensible debate about this, more sensible discussion about this, you know, like, in my idea of having a sensible discussion is this, like, you know, okay, like, um, you know, we're going to leave the EU, but what are we leaving to stay with, you know, the fact that our country is going to be economically less powerful, the fact that uh, we're now going to have a lot of people in limbo because they don't know where they stand in regards to their immigration status, the fact that we have a lot of people who feel that, um, you know, that they're going to be less democratic because now they have an unelected House of Lords chamber as well alongside uh, a post-past-to-post system that favors the two big old parties. You know, like, uh, for a lot of people out there, it ain't going to be more democratic, it's going to be less democratic, and it's going to be a lot less fairer society. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what these are the discussions that we have. But the fact that you know we have these we have these people going on TV and saying these, these crazy things, and you know, like pretending that this is all just normal behavior to uh, to act upon. Come on, man! Like you know, like uh, the the BBC's standards, as far as I'm concerned, have slipped very dramatically. And uh, believe me, we're going to talk about further more about that uh, later on in the show. But, uh, yeah, so that's my take on this. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, Patricia, I mean, with the whole thing with Donald Trump, I, I think you're probably looking at us and probably thinking, well, you know, welcome to, well, welcome to what we have to put up with every single day. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, I, but I retweeted that uh, picture of Boris Johnson and Donald Trump. You know, same shit, different accents. It's, you know, we're effectively basically becoming the, you know, pretty much a state in the United States of America. You know, after Brexit, we should pretty much just join the United States. Because that's going to be where we're going to be pretty much are, you know. The TV shows we watch, the food we're going to eat, the, uh, you know, the only rela- real, you know, free trade relationship we're going to have with the rest of the world that's going to keep us, you know, going to keep us in the black. You know, as, as far as I'm concerned, we're going to be so reliant on, uh, you know, one of the most powerful countries in the world. Like, you know, we will be very, very surprised if, um, if if we end up with better trade deals than what we've got now in regards to the EU, as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, that's just me. That's, that's fair enough, Aaron. Yeah. Um, you know, gun violence is a, a huge topic in the United States of America, no doubt, and uh, unfortunately, it shouldn't really be, you know, something that should just be talked about. It should be something that should be, you know, should be acted upon, as far as I'm concerned. You know, we, you know th- the fact that we've had hundreds of thousands of kids dead, you know, and uh, we're not even talking about, you know, recently. We're talking about, you know, co- since Columbine, you know, even further than that sometimes. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, you have crazy people with guns who uh, want to take it out on innocent people, and so they'll just go out and uh, and just you know, go shoot somebody. You know, and rather than disarm that crazy maniac, you know, instead, we're making schools now which have, like, bent corridors, so basically they can't shoot straight down them. You know, it's like, you know, it's like the, 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 the environment around it is starting to kind of coil to, uh, you know, to this disgusting, uh, you know, uh, shape that uh, the gun violence in America is now starting to cor- is starting to create, and uh, you know you can see it in like you know the clear plastic bags that now kids have to go to school with, and you have to see and you see it with the uh, you know the the, the uh, reinforced Kevlar bags that now they also carry too, and you see it with the, the with the active shooter drills that, and also with the that uh, story that we broke a couple of weeks ago about the um, the teacher that now has to uh, learn how to uh, treat a bullet wound. 
you know, in case that happens as well. And also we saw it with the, uh, um, recently with another anti-gun violence, uh, ad where, where they were showing those, all those kids with all like, you know, saying, oh, well, they all those items they have for school and how it's going to prevent them from, uh, you know, having an active shooter, like, you know, like, uh, those crayons and things like that. And it's like, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy how now the environment around it is starting to react uh, terribly, and like it's trying to pretend to adapt to the gun violence problem it has, and it, it just shows even further with what happened with this gun violence hearing that that took place. So David Hogg, who um, is also an anti-gun violence advocate, tweeted out of this. So he was actually uh, uh, had a video of the Senate hearing uh, that was uh, taking place. And let me tell you, you know, so no surprise, there were plenty of Democrats, but um, there was uh, not very many, well, there was no Republicans whatsoever, apparently, at this hearing. And so you saw this young girl who, you know, basically was telling a story and, uh, you know, just uh, was uh, having, uh, you know, wanted to have this discussion about gun violence and yet only one side of the, of the House, you know, maybe one side of politics wanted to hear it and the other side didn't. Right, yeah. This, yeah, it, it's sort of similar to what happened when we talked about in last week, where um, you know Greta Thunberg was discussing about climate change. Yeah, and you know, it's like, well, that's not funny enough. You know, some Republicans did actually turn up to that meeting, funnily enough. And so, like, and if anything, they were basically just there trying to take shots at her. But here's the thing about this: uh, it was so hilarious when you know the Greta Thunberg hearing was taking place because, like, she was like, he was like saying, "Oh, you know, uh, what about?" Or, you know, trying to get into her views about climate change. It's like, but dude, did you not fucking hear, listen to her at the very beginning of this? She doesn't want you to listen to her. She wants you to listen to the science. And it's just that all the attacks just were, were incredible. Because like, it just kind of shows how, to- how death and how they don't pay attention to, you know, anything that this girl is saying, you know. And, you know, it's funny because, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm sorry to change track on this, but, uh, you know, have you heard, ever heard about that 15-year-old girl who joined Islamic State? Uh, I heard about it, Sh- yeah. Shania Bigham, okay? Um, apparently, she's, apparently, this 15-year-old girl who went off and did that, you know, she's not going to come back to this country. You know, the the, the Home Secretary, uh, Pretty Patel, has met, has uh, basically killed that off. She said in the uh, in a newspaper interview that she's not coming back. So, but here's the thing about this, and the the, um, the 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 disjointed rhetoric of the right is that, you know, apparently this girl who went off and joined ISIS, you know, apparently she's mature enough to make that decision, but apparently Greta Thunberg is not mature enough to go around all politicians and tell them about, uh, you know, how, how shit they are at their environmental policies. You know, it's like... It's, yeah, no, exactly. You know, this, this generation of young people, you know, they're going to hate us. They really are. They, 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 this young generation is going to seriously, seriously despise us. Because, you know, us up here, and I mean, we're not going to talk about, you know, just some old white guy, you know, in his 60s or 70s who doesn't, you know, doesn't know any better. Yeah, like, uh, it's going to be, I guarantee you, it's going to be 30, 25, 30 up, I, I would probably say. Like, you know, these young people are going to sit there, you know, with, uh, you know, with the consequences of us having, like, a massive party and not giving a fuck. And they're going to turn around and say, you know, look, look at the mess that we told you all about years ago. And yet here we are now, and it's uh, even worse mess than we have now. What the fuck were you all doing at that time? Uh-huh. You know, it's like, it's just, it's like, you know, the, 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 the Greta Thunberg generation, these 16, 17 year olds, they're going to despise us. And I've got to be honest with you, if uh, what is predicted to happen by all the scientists, all the experts that uh, we should all listen to, if what's going to happen is going to happen, I guarantee you, they probably have a point as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, do you, do you remember when we were 16, 17 years old and we were making points that uh, so you say, hey, you shouldn't really do this. This is going to be a bad idea and everything else, you know, it all turned out to be true. And they uh-huh. like, you know, you know, you might not want to invade that country called Iraq. It had nothing to do with the 9-11 and there's no such thing as the weapon. The weapons of mass destruction is a lie. Yeah, you might not want to do that. But mind you, it wasn't just that generation. It was quite a lot of generations that were arguing about that, too, who were a lot of anti-war. And they all turned out to be right about that. You know, like we should have listened to them and we didn't. And now there's, uh, what, 388,000 people dead in that country. Uh, they totally, dis- some most of them probably totally despise uh, the United States of America, and even my country, now, 
and it's just it's uh yeah we, we we create generations of people that hate the, we 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 create generations of people that hate the next generation. It makes you wonder how on earth we would survive as a species. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that off my chest. Um, we're gonna go back to the BBC now, unfortunately, and uh, you know it's just it's. Uh, so for those of you who do not know, Nago Machete um, did a a clip on she's just basically uh, a bbc breakfast television show host and so uh, she made an argument about racism and she actually drew drew from her own experience about the uh, the la- the language that donald trump used and the fact that she's been told to uh, you know because she's uh, obviously of, uh, of of the ethnic minority in this country she's was she has been told by you know some stupid racist person you know to go back home and things like that you know all, all that kind of crap basically, and, uh, you know, so she drew on that experience, and she got a reprimand by the BBC for doing it. Basically saying that, so there, so there was a uh, complaint upheld by the BBC to say, um, you know, you shouldn't have done that on on there, and uh, you're going to get a warning about it. And uh, But now, because of the backlash, because of all you wonderful people who said, that's absolute bullshit that she should got punished for that, the BBC has now reversed the decision. Alright then. Cool. So, I mean, here's the thing, you know, but it's, it's just like, I come on this show, and I get, I'm different from the BBC, and like, I just, you know, I have no problem giving people my personal perspectives and giving my personal experiences and, you know, tying them with, you know, with, with stories. You know, it's like, like it's, it's kind of, I hope to think that uh, to all of you I'm speaking to now, that kind of makes me somewhat human to you, you know, and gives you a connection with me. The, the fact that in the BBC... You know, if I, if I did the Aramesa show on the BBC, I wouldn't be allowed to do that, apparently. So, any... So apparently, according to the BBC, any personal um, experiences that I have with racism or any other contentious topic, apparently, the, the, according to the BBC, I'm not allowed to talk about that. You know, I'm going to give this kind of, like, you know, plastic doll version of me, basically. I'm, I'm going to give, like, troll doll version of me, pretty much. Like, uh, it's just, it's... Uh, I'm I'm just uh, amazed that the BBC is so small. I guess I shouldn't be so amazed that the BBC is so soulless, but, I mean, given the fact that it's produced so many crappy reality television shows, unfortunately, I appeared in one. Uh, but, you know, it's the fact that um, this is, um, you know, the fact that the BBC is where it is now, and uh, it's the fact that you're not allowed to, you know, you have a connection with your own audience... Like, you know, how on earth is this generation of BBC presenters or any, you know, someone, anyone on the BBC is supposed to have a connection with, with their audience if they're not allowed even to talk about themselves? Yeah, hmm. that, that, I mean, I, now, I, this is definitely another case of journalism censorship in which, you know, either they hide things from people, they alter the story, or you're not allowed to tell certain things. And... You know, it's sad to see that, you know, even still in 2019, we still have to go through this. Exactly. And so, I just, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that this was even a thing to start off with. I'm pretty happy the BBC's reversed the decision, but quite frankly, I think it should have happened to begin with, as far as I'm concerned. How on earth are you supposed to make a connection with your audience when you can't even talk about yourself and talk about why you're relevant? on this mm-hmm. like you know like uh, i mean I, i've i've seen plenty of presenters like moira stewart she's on classic fm right now and uh, you know like uh, she I've, I've known quite a bit about who she is and uh, that's the reason why i had a bit of a connection with her you know growing up when she was you know reading the news but uh, you know, there's like other people there who uh, you know you you know somewhat about them and uh, that's the reason why you grow a connection with them and i, I know i keep hammering this point but the fact that you um, you know, just ha- handicap people like that in the mainstream media. Like, you know, no wonder people are starting to uh, starting to switch off and you know tune into like people like myself, to people like you know like Patricia and like and like uh, you know other people who you know you know where we do our shows and like you know we happen to be you know uh, people want to spend their time, spend their hour or two hours or three hours or whatever, spend their time with us rather than spend their time in front of the TV. You know, which uh, used to garner, you know, where you used to have people there who are legends in the middle. Walter Cronkite, you know, like a legendary uh, news presenter. And uh, you can tell that, you know, he was very um, emotionally involved in his stories. 
pretty much. And, like, uh, you know, and the fact that he had that connection with uh, a lot of people, you know, during that time, you know, even during the, you know, that you can see it in his face in the, during the Kennedy assassination, for crying out loud. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I get, like, you know, he, uh, he threw some barbs at, you know, the Soviet Union, you know, it was a different time, people, come on, let's, 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 let's give him some slack on that, but, you know, in regards to, um, you know, um, yeah, I, you know, there's plenty of other people out there who, who have made a name for themselves in news, because they're seen as trustworthy, and they're seen as human beings, and they're seen as people that they can relate with, you can't do that now, like, it's just, it's, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's uh, pretty much uh, where we are at the minute. But, uh, yeah. yeah, the BBC needs to do better, as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. It needs to do way, way better, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, um, so let's talk about this particular thing. Uh, shall I play the entire clip? Because I find this just this whole thing just hilarious. And so this is from uh, 7.30 on the ABC News Channel. And so... Um, they came up with a bit of satire, which uh, offers uh, angry adults uh, a chance to uh, uh, talk about uh, the Greta Thunberg phenomenon. Thunberg phenomenon. So, do you want me to play this clip, and uh, we'll just uh, see what we make of it? Yeah, let's do it. Hi, I'm a middle-aged man with an embarrassing problem. I get irrationally angry at a Swedish girl who wants to save the planet. Luckily, there's now a number I can call. Hello, you've called the Greta Thunberg helpline. If you're a grown adult who needs to yell at a child for some reason, the Greta Thunberg helpline is here to tolerate you. She's just fueling needless anxiety. She's making the end of the world sound like it's the end of the world. This whole charade's gone too far. Now I see she's speaking in front of a mock UN. So that was the real UN. So before you go full caps lock in an article comment section, let our expert counsellors assess your situation. Sir, I just need to ask you some questions before we get started. Is your Twitter profile picture an egg? Yeah, yeah, but I just don't have any good photos of my face. We'll listen, no matter how ridiculous you sound. Well, if she really is such a nice, sweet, caring Swedish girl, how come she can't help me assemble my Billy bookcase? Yeah, but if she's so concerned about renewable energy, how come she doesn't wear one of those baseball caps with the solar panels and the fan on the front? They said this Ladybird film was a comedy. Well, I didn't laugh once. Sir, I think you're after the Greta Gerwig helpline. 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. 99%. I'll patch you through. It's okay. We understand that children acting like adults can make adults act like children. I think if I'm honest, I'm just jealous that she got a free cruise to America. And so she actually sailed there herself. Well, I don't know why she gets to fist bump Obama when I've never gotten to. Have you considered launching your own significant global movement? But it's so much easier to shit on someone else's. We shouldn't be listening to a child. We should be listening to an expert. Oh, right. Well, do you want me to put you through to an expert? Hello? The Greta Thunberg helpline. Because when it comes to climate change, we all know she's the real problem. Oh, my God. Where do we start with this? You know? I mean, this is real, right? It's, yeah. No, actually, no, this isn't. This was a parody. Uh, so it was, oh, okay, it, was okay. it was satire, but uh, yeah, basically this, this, this. I go, I got to be honest, with you, this outperforms the Onion, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. This, was, so I mean, like, but there's the thing about this, like, you know, the, the way people react to, to Greta Thunberg, you think we actually would need a Greta Thunberg outline, you know, like, you know, we got, <laughs> we, we got a headline on Christmas for, you know, uh, to uh, sort family disputes out over Monopoly, like, you know, like, I guess one wouldn't hurt, wouldn't hurt, would it? Ah, uh, I. Just... I mean, at this point, I don't know. Yeah. So, as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, yeah, if uh, someone says the Greta Thunberg helpline for uh, these uh, angry adults, then, you know, all power to you. I think you're going to make a lot of money, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. I mean, why stop there? We should do it for everybody at this point. Uh, yeah, um, I'm you sure. know, you you know, you're you're angry about those Disney remakes. Uh, contact our anti-Disney helpline. Oh yeah, I think. Um, oh yeah, I think all that that'll get some. Mind you, that's a, there's already a helpline for that. It's the Disney line themselves. You know, just call them up and complain about it. You know. And, uh, oh no. Yeah, just uh, 
No, not like I'm asking anyone to, like, you know, just spam every Disney with phone calls or anything like that. I'm just uh, basically just suggesting that you, uh, uh, just in a constructive way, make a... Chris, are you okay? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry, you're, just, uh, you're breathing quite heavily through the microphone, so... <laughs> huh, interesting. Oh. Okay. My, I'm not even close to the microphone. Oh, that's a bit strange. Uh, anyway, uh, so what... Sorry, still there. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry, just it's uh, it's really a bit strange. Um, are you definitely sure you're going through your own microphone and not through the laptop again? Yeah, let me check. Hold on. Okay. Well, while she's doing that, um, we're gonna be uh looking. By the way, if you want to check out the, uh, let me actually shout it out for the Tumblr actually. So whilst we're doing that, um, arometo.tumblr.com, a-r-u-n-m-e-h-t-a.tumblr.com. Uh, if you want to get on there, uh, I mean, I don't really post all that much myself on Tumblr. By the way, if you're listening out on Tumblr, I mean, can I ask you? I mean, uh, what do you want to particularly want to see me put up on Tumblr, or uh, what would you rather? I mean, also, uh, is there anything in particular I should be looking at in Tumblr at all? So you know, just. Uh, Give me a shout out on Tumblr if you can, and uh, you know, let me know what I sh- what I'm missing out on anything you don't. Okay, is this it. better? Um, yeah, you seem better. So cool. okay, cool. Okay, right. Because uh, anyone with the show, actually, tell you what, this is your big uh, promotional moment in the show. So uh, pretty much your non-sponsored, your hashtag non-sponsored shout out. So uh, do you want to tell us uh, what's coming up on the Old School Lane podcast? Yes. So, uh, as of yesterday, Aaron and I re-recorded a new episode of Casual Chats discussing about the Game Boy. A few days ago, it was the 130th uh, anniversary of Nintendo, which we did talk about on the show. And uh, just so you know, a few months ago was the uh, 30th anniversary of the Game Boy release. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be discussing about our fond memories and some of our favorite games and, um, you know, just like little... Uh, bits of uh, trivia here and there in regards to like the Game & Watch and the Sega Game Gear, the Atari Lynx, and um, you know how much it endured compared to like other handhelds at the time. So yeah, we'll be discussing about that and it should be coming up tonight. Mm-hmm. And also just to let you know, well actually we'll actually be talking about this on the show as well, but uh, there's uh, we also talked about the uh, one fact uh, you might find a bit fun. Uh, in the New York Nintendo World Store, a Game Boy sits proudly on show which survived the Gulf War barrack bombings uh, and the mangle handheld still displays a picture clearly. So. Yes, I, I actually did discuss about that in the uh, podcast and I actually did see this particular Game Boy when I was at MoMA the Metropolitan Museum of Modern Art, and I actually did get to see it when they were doing their exhibit called 100 Years of Toys, and uh, that was also included in there. It was like in this plastic case, and you got to see the charred-up Game Boy with the screen, and it was still playing Tetris. Yeah, so, yeah, you have uh, definitely know it exists now because we just talked about it, so... Uh, yes, yeah. yes, we did. Mind you, I, I kind of wonder, like... Uh, do you ever, how creepy would it, I mean, not how creepy, but uh, how crazy would it be if we found out that one of our very few listeners on this show was actually the president of the United States himself, Donald Trump? Like he's kind of like, you know, Patricia uh, just brought up that uh, the Game Boy is, uh, that she's seen it. I don't believe Game Boys can survive bombings. It's fake news. Fake news. Uh, <laughs> Now it's starting shit about me again. Let me get on Twitter. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, moving on. Uh, for those of you who keeping on stuff like about Nintendo, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, brain training was a pretty big thing on a Nintendo DS. And, uh, you know, despite the fact they told me that I was like, you know, twice my age, pretty much uh, the time, so most of the time that I was uh, trying to uh, bring it down. And uh, I brought it down significantly to like my 40s at least, you know, so brain training. Like, I didn't do a massive amount of brain training, but uh, I'll tell you a fun fact, actually. Uh, so, so, Mengus Campbell, who was, at the time, the leader of the Liberal Democratic Party, um, he was doing some photo shoots, and uh, I actually wanted some photos with him as well, whilst I was a member of the Lip Dems. And so, um, what we did was, um, he had a, a paper in his hand which was about, uh, uh, you know, laws in regards to uh, breastfeeding or something like that. So something stupid like that, some stupid law that he wasn't too, you know, uh, in favour of. And so, um, he was uh, doing photo shoots with that, but... Um, 
Obviously, I, I didn't particularly want to do that, and so um, I got a, sort of a couple of pictures with him. But so some of the pictures actually I have, and I've got to dig them out somewhere. Was actually me showing him, the, and this was recently released. Uh, the uh, showing him some pictures of my new Nintendo DS, and so well, uh, like uh, he was so impressed with it actually as well. Like when I was showing it for him, like in one of the games I actually showed him was Brain Training. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, so, like, uh, he got a chance to, like, you know, do, like, all, like, all the... I think it was, like... I'm trying to remember which ones he did. I think it was, like, the reading one. And I think it was, like, uh, the one where you have to, like, press all the squares or something like that. I can't remember exactly which ones. But, uh, you know, at the moment, uh, we have got the announcement from Nintendo that they are bringing back Brain Training for the Switch. Yeah, um, I, I remember when the DS was coming out and next to things like uh, Super Mario 64 DS and such... Uh, they used to have this a lot in their DS, like, hey, you want to be able to train your brain and get smarter as you play? Then, you know, do these questions, like, really, really quickly, like, do your mathematics really quickly and write these words really quickly. And every time that you play it, your IQ continues to grow. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, uh, the, the fact that this is going to come back and uh, hopefully they're going to add a few more, you know, ex uh, features as well. So, uh, you know, no doubt there's going to be some uh, issues, going, you know, some features going on with Joy-Cons and that. And uh, so it's going to be coming to Japan on December the 27th. So it'll be a couple of days after Christmas, which is quite surprising, really, given that, uh, you know, you think it would be uh, a Christmas release. But, um, hey, I guess... Uh, uh, they want to release it before New Year, I guess. Uh, for certain, I guess, and so, um, yeah. So, uh, Brain Age uh, concentration training is going to be hitting the US in in actually, sorry, actually hit the US in 2013, and uh, so it's uh, going to be hitting once again this year on December 27th. So, uh, and uh, will be about uh, three thousand four hundred and eighty, sorry, three thousand four hundred and eighty hundred yen. So, so three three thousand four hundred and eighty yen. There we go. So, uh, I'm okay that. then. Yeah. And also be digitally available for 2,680 yen. So, uh, All right, then. Cool. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, hope it's going to be good. And they're going to be uh, giving us some nostalgic memories about the last one. So, cool. Yeah, I'm actually really uh, excited to, um, you know, see how this pl uh, plays out. Especially, I'm hoping that maybe we can get some new um, questions and some new challenges, especially with what the Switch can do. Yeah, and I know that there's going to be some new stuff. No doubt about that. I'm pretty confident there's going to be some stuff to look forward to in that. Um, moving on, uh, we're going to talk about Disney for a little second because uh, there was actually another big uh, announcement in regards to um, uh, the our new well, the new Disney uh, movie that's going to come out, which is going to be Frozen 2. Uh, they have announced that the brand, a brand new song is going to be Into the Unknown. Now, um, we can't play this on the show. But, uh, I mean, like, I'm just looking at uh, the, um, you know, the, the way that they're currently marketing Frozen in general. And, you know, it's like, it's so massively different from what they originally gave us in the original Frozen. It's like, it's almost like this, uh, you know, they've realized that, yeah, we know our audience aren't little girls anymore. And uh, they're, they're going to want to give us a more, uh, you know, not, not necessarily like overly mature story, but uh, it looks like that's where they're trying to go for at the moment. Yeah, mm. I think that for the most part, it's very similar to what you were saying. They're kind of like growing up with their audience, which I actually do really appreciate. You know, Disney rarely does sequels. I mean, not, I mean, official sequels. I'm, I'm not referring to the directed video stuff because, you know, but no, I'm, I'm serious. But yeah, the, the only like official sequels that we've ever had that came out theatrically um, you know, they've, uh, they've been, like, hit and miss sometimes. I think the only one that, like, really generated to, like, a lot of people was The Rescue is Down Under, but even then, that movie wasn't, like, as financially successful compared to, like, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, because those came out, like, right in between those two films. But, um, yeah, I'm actually, you know, curious about, like, uh, you know, with Frozen 2, about how that turns out, because, I mean, I've already mentioned this before, that remember when uh, that Frozen came out, and I was still living in Florida at the time, it was everywhere. Like, the songs would be playing so much on the radio, and everybody was, like, dressing up as Elsa. There would be so much Elsa merchandise, and Olaf, and all that stuff. And I remember that the Disney uh, World shops, they, they had an entire section just dedicated to Frozen alone. It was just, like, overkill. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm a little uh, interested in is that uh, they got this little lizard creature that uh, appears in like one of the pre in one of the previews, and uh, it almost looks similar to like uh, that character out of uh, out of uh, Tangled. Yeah, you're talking about Pascal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I'm thinking like, you know, 
Is they gonna are they teasing a connection here? Between... You know what? This is something that MatPat from Film Theory will be thinking about. Like, I, I think that um, there was because if you recall, in uh, there's this one little scene in Frozen where you know Elsa was like you know greeting up all of these citizens, and there is a slight cameo with Rapunzel and with um, Flynn, you know, in the background. And uh, there's also like talks about like. Um, I don't know, like Rapunzel and uh, you know, like Anna or Elsa becoming sisters or something. Yeah. I, it's it's complicated, but yeah, uh, I guess maybe that's the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, it will be. I mean, I, I would be interested to see if uh, you know in the next coming movies, like uh, you know, um, you know the way they teach the Avengers, like uh, you know, like uh, in like the next couple of movies, like you know that might involve. You know, Disney princesses. I'm wondering if they're going to get into the situation where they'll like start throwing out little teasers, like you know, we're going to be making a Disney, uh, like a, a Disney princess movie, kind of like an Avengers style movie. Because I think hmm. that, that that would be a huge money spinner. I think if they did that, you know, you're going to take uh, Anna and Elsa, you're going to take Belle, you're going to take Pocahontas, you're going to take uh, Snow White, you're going to take Cinderella, you're going to take every single Disney princess, and you're going to stick them in this movie. Because it's like, uh, you know, a lot of people were really happy when they saw them all to come together in uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do know that there are a lot of, you know, uh, collaborations with, like, princesses and, like, um, there's, like, CDs based off of them. And I know that they have, like, their own set of books and, and DVDs. So, yeah, they should actually have a theatrical movie where all the princesses gather together. And, hey, you know, why not? We, why, we might as well just gather the you know, princesses that are featured in the Disney Junior shows, like um, Sophia the First and um, Elena from Alvador, because those are really popular. Yeah, but uh, I think, I don't know, like, I think, given the fact that, uh, you know, they're yet to have their own, like, theatrical releases, I think we're gonna, I think they're gonna stick with princesses who basically have, you know, who have the box office pretty much, pretty much. Okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah, I think they'll probably do with that. I mean, who knows, maybe they might, uh, maybe they might make cameo appearances. You know, and it's like, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, uh, it's like, uh, you know, we're not going to enough princesses. Let's all come together like Care Bear style. And like all of a sudden, do, it's like, do you think it that maybe, yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think that maybe, uh, do you remember like how Marvel would like bring obscure um, comic book characters into the big screen and then everybody just became like fascinated by them because they'd never seen them before and then they became just as popular as like the famous um, superheroes? I mean, yeah. that, the same thing, so, yeah, I, I was thinking that maybe we can take, like, the obscure princesses, like, Kida from Atlantis, the Lost Empire, or that princess from, um, the Black Cauldron, and, you know, maybe, like, integrate them into this huge princess movie universe, and then maybe at some point, you know, maybe they can start becoming even more prevalent again? Uh, who knows? Like, uh, maybe, uh, I mean, who knows where they could go with it, as far as I'm concerned. But, I mean, if they need to do it, you know, like, uh, you know, come on, Disney, do it! Like, you know, there's, there's so many ideas you could do with this, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Take your, um, you know, live-action remakes and just give them a break. Yeah. And then give us this princess movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, they don't, you know, these Disney remakes, they're not as good as the originals. Whether you like it or not, they're just not. And some of that as well, like, you know, I guarantee you that if, uh, you know, these, if these Hong Kong protests can keep going in the news and keep, you know, keep being prevalent, as far as I'm concerned, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be turned off by that Mulan movie and are not going to want to go see it. So it's like, you know, as far as we're concerned, you know, it's um, it's going to be, um, you know, as far as, yeah, stop doing the Disney remakes. Just uh, come back, you know, look at what Frozen 2 is going to do. Uh, I'll tell you what, actually, I'll, 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 I'll put a bet on everybody uh, if they want. Um, I believe, and I'm going to make a prediction here, I believe Frozen 2 will be more, far more successful than any other Disney remakes that have come out. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, as of the recording of this um, episode of the Aramenta show... The 2019 Lion King remake has made a lot more money since then, since the last time that we talked about it. Exactly. Well, here's the thing with it. I think Frozen 2 is going to be far more successful than The Lion King. All right, then. Well, you know what? I'm, I would like to see that. I would like to see the Lion King remake be dethroned by Frozen 2. I mean, like, if we, if we have a live-action movie considered as a, as, you know, like the best, highest-grossing animated movie... That will be just sad. Yeah, it's uh, well, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I think it will. I think it will. Given that the Frozen phenomenon, I think it's still alive and well. I think it will outperform. 
And like, you know, and look, look, look at the promotion they're doing for this as well. Like, you know, they, they know who their audience are, as far as I'm concerned. And they're going to bring in a lot more other people who are going to be uh, intertwined with it as well. So, uh, yeah, so if, um, if you are excited for this and you wanted to see uh, this become a huge success, even more of a success than the Lion King 2019 remake, then go watch it. Yeah. Um, next on the agenda, um, we have to talk about Disney and uh, their uh, constant re- you know, branding of Star Wars. And uh, according to the cheat sheet uh, dot com, apparently Star Wars is um, Disney Star Wars Land, uh, based up in uh, where did they say it was based up in? I'm trying to remember exactly where it was itself. Um, is it in Florida? Uh, or is it in California? Uh, I think it's in California. It's in California, right? Apparently, according to cheat sheet, it's not doing so well. Uh, that's kind of viral. That's kind of weird because, uh, like, just a few months ago, it was doing phenomenally. I mean, so much so that. Disneyland uh, um, lines were even shorter because they were also hyped about this new Star Wars attraction. I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe it kind of lost its luster over time? I don't know. Uh, according to the website Orlando Rising, there's no one reason why the Star Wars editions of the Disney Park has uh, failed to attract numerous visitors. The hype surrounding Star Wars Galaxy Edge uh, may have uh, dissuaded potential visitors from coming to see it. After all, no one likes to wait in incredibly long lines, especially when they're on vacation. Uh, because of this, many potential guests have decided to wait uh, to book their tickets to the park uh, so that uh, they don't have to deal with overcrowding. Uh, Zanetti uh, also felt that uh, Disney alienated some of his fans by basing their attractions primarily in the 2010 Star Wars films. Uh, he felt that uh, Disney could have uh, been wise to embrace nostalgia and incorporate more references to the original trilogy in, Gal- in, Gal- in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So the, the fact that they focused this on the, the current, you know, uh, set of uh, Star Wars, uh, you know, the, the current uh, Star Wars set of movies... Uh, I think it's probably turned off a lot of people. I think, and you know, they're definitely the hardcore Star Wars fans. I, at least I don't think are going to necessarily be too eager to turn off if that's going to be the case. So. You, you know, it's it's actually kind of ironic that the reason why it's not doing so well is because of the long lines when Disney World and Disneyland are very well known for having like extremely long lines. I mean, Aaron and I, we actually have this experience because we were waiting how long like over two to three hours to get into space mountain and then we ended up not doing it anyway yeah because like you know we we had here's the thing about this didn't you notice that was kind of like our trip pretty much throughout the day we pretty much had to make choices between things pretty much like you know it it almost made it feel like you know we couldn't we we just couldn't do disney we couldn't do one part of disney in a day we would need like uh i mean like when i was looking at the packages and i was looking at you know they're giving like you know seven like even 12 day packages it's like i was like thinking you know like uh, oh well these are pretty long packages and i don't think we're going to be there for that long but then when we finally got there i can understand why like you know like uh, that place is huge like uh, like you couldn't you could not do one part of disney in a day as far as I'm concerned, it was uh, it was crazy, you know, we're trying to get around of it. And also, it was like, it was really sad because, you know, we were making, we were saying, oh, you know, like, uh, should we, you know, thankfully we did do, like, we did, like, take some stuff off the bucket list. We did do the teacups. We did do, um, you know, various other things as well. We did do the, uh, you know, the, um, I forgot what the name of it is, you know, that. Uh, oh, we did, the dum- we did the Dumbo ride. Dumbo we ride. Did. We did the Magic Carpet ride. We did, yep, we did, uh, we did like uh, the uh, carousel of uh, of um, what's it called, carousel of the future, or something like that. Uh, can we forget mm-hmm. the name of that? We did, we did, we basically we did, we did all the main ones. But basically, every other somewhat addition that we tried to get on board with, we just, you know, the fact that we were waiting in line for all the classic rides and the fact that we were, uh, you know, having to make choices between things, we just didn't get to see it all. Pretty much, and so you know, like, uh, so there will be a part two, you know, doubt for me, me and Patricia. I think when it comes to Disney World, somewhere down the line, but uh, you know, right now, like, uh, we just uh, in in that current space and time, we just couldn't do it all, you know. And then the next day, we have to go to Epcot, you know. So. Yeah, and with Epcot, I mean, even though it doesn't have as much rides, we still had to wait through pretty long lines. Um, we had to go through the space ride where we had to wait for about an hour and a half. Then there was the then there was the racetrack where we had to wait for about an hour or so. Then there was, um, let's see, uh, you know, going in from like different countries, you know, the, it requires a lot of walking. And, you know, if you want to get something to eat or if you want to meet up with a character or if you want to see an attraction or a show, you're going to be surrounded by a group of people. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, I just bring this up. Uh, you know, we talk about Saber Spark on this show. 
Uh, and, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, his latest announcement is, uh, hey, folks, there won't be a video this Friday, but we've got a special side project that will be coming out later this week. Uh, next week, he'll be uploading a review of Fritz the Cat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Ralph Bakshi's magnum opus. How did he, but how did, yeah, I'm still wondering how on earth he got away with uh, t- talking about Once Upon a Girl. Like, you know, like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be one of those people who said, I've actually seen Fritz the Cat. And uh, i got to be honest with you, how he's going to get away with reviewing this on YouTube, I'm going to be quite interested to see. So, uh... Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you may not like, you know, Ralph Bakshi for a lot of the stuff that he's posted, you know, because a lot of it is pretty raunchy. But, I mean, back in the 70s, I mean, who was, you know, more influential in animation than him? Yeah. Do you know what's funny? It's like you know they say that they say that animations become far more adult, you know, in in today in 2019. Have you ever? I mean, I would suggest you go see the 70s and just see all the crazy stuff that's currently going out there at the you know that came out at that time. Pretty much like you know it's it's out there, man. It really oh is. yeah, for sure. Right. So there's that little thing that we just added in there. And finally, we're going to finish off with this. And uh, maybe it's not a great tone to finish off on, though. But uh, a lot of my followers have, you know, have been telling me that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I really don't care what Doug Walker reviews now, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, you guys keep telling me about all of this. So I end up having to try it still to have to talk about it. But apparently Doug Walker did a review of The Wall. Uh, Pink Floyd I heard, wall. yeah. Yeah, and apparently it's really terrible. So, uh, and uh, that's all I know. I'm not watching it. Cause, well, the, all, the, all the fucking things we read through the uh, docu- through the documents uh, of uh, and all the change of channel uh, uh, stuff that came out of that. I'm not going near him by, you know, for, I'm not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole as far as I'm concerned. You know, as far as Channel Awesome goes, I hope that's, uh, you know, now that everyone's left the, left the site, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, that's going to go by the wayside and, uh, you know, Mike Michelle's not going to make any money anymore. But, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, the, the nostalgia critic is dead to me. You know, uh, it's, uh, it pretty much died a horrible death, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, I'm, uh, you know, uh, and now we've learned it, it, it's pretty much up there with every other celebrity who's died and then we found something really shitty about him and now we don't really talk about him anymore because of that shitty thing, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Uh. So, you know, uh, Doug Walker can do whatever he likes, but as far as I'm concerned, I have no interest in for any of his future projects. I don't care what he does. I, I mean, to be quite honest, I hadn't seen the Nostalgia Critics since, you know, the whole chain, in the when the um, article of all the things that he did happen. Yeah, probably the last thing I probably saw was when he reviewed it, you know, the first It movie. And uh, that was that, that. That was it for me. I think after that. So uh, no, the, I, I I stopped watching it when the fifty-seven page article of everything that he did um, to all those um, you know former Channel Awesome contributors. I was like, nope, I'm done. you're yeah. you're, you're not getting a view from me at all. But, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you review. You're done. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like uh, the um, I mean, there's a thing about this, like you know, you know, even without that, wasn't Doug Walker starting to become boring anyway? You know, with like some of the stuff that he was doing, like you know, so, and people's like say, oh, you know, he was never good at whatever he was reviewing and stuff like that. But you know, like uh, you know, he he was, you know, dare I say, he at least he did get a couple of laughs out of me. Like he was a guilty pleasure. I will I will be honest with you. But uh, the fact that now we know what we know, like uh, you know, I kind of take back a lot of the stuff that uh, you know I kind of you know said about him in the past. As far sure, as and, and you know, I, I really, really wish. Sorry, go on. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go I, know, well, I kind of wish James Rolfe was just stopped doing stuff with him as well. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, and a lot of other people who like kind of deal, do, do stuff with him, we're just going to leave him alone. Like, I mean, I'll tell you something about him, like, you know, after we're done with the show. But, uh, I mean, like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I just wish people would just, just stop collaborating and stop working with him. I mean, I hope Ron Paulson isn't going to, isn't, you know, and uh, isn't going to turn up, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, again. If, if they did, I'm, I'm sure that they they personally don't know what's going on online because, they you know, to, they're, they're voice actors. Yeah. They, here's the thing about this, though, Patricia. Ron, Ron, but here's the thing, you know, Ron Paulson isn't a stranger to, to social media. He's on Twitter tweeting about, you know, all the stuff that he's doing all the time. Like, you know, he, he can't be, he, he can't, he must know about what's going on. Surely. Like I mean, maybe, but um, maybe if like a fan or a bunch of fans were saying like, hey, you know, I remember when I saw you in this one video with Doug, Doug Walker, did you know that he did this and this and that? I mean, maybe he'll read into it, but I'm not sure if that's 
that would be like uh, something that he would immediately know about. He, you should know? Re- he should read it and say never again, as far as I'm concerned. And like, and that should be sure. a lot of people. Anyway, uh, we're running out of time. So uh, anyway, we'll just wrap it up right here. Uh, so uh, Patricia, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, if uh, you don't know, twitter.com forward slash Aramata show, uh, facebook.com forward slash Aramata show, aramata.tumblr.com. I know you guys are going to want to tell me about that. And uh, yeah, definitely check us out on Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Heart Radio, Player FM, Listen Notes, Podcast Static, and TuneIn. Thank you very much for checking out the show. Take care and bye for now. See you later. <laughs>